0: Welcome to Parker's podcast of the 8.30 a.m. service. Our service includes modern style worship and an on-time message from God's Word by Dr. Mac Amos. This week's guest speaker is Reverend Gary Cornelius.
1: I mean, I am excited to be here. These guys are awesome, okay? These guys are awesome. Now, you got to understand, I can't even play the radio, okay? So I love it when we have... Great worship and and people who know what they're doing. So I am so excited about being here this morning. I have to tell you, I'm really excited about it being D-NOW. I told a couple of girls here, I love D-NOW. It's so special to my wife and I. Boy, this is really going to date myself. But one of the guys who started Disciple Now was a personal friend of mine. I, my wife and I used to travel to missouri to preach in his church and to share and be leaders for disciple now And one of my close friends was a student in the very first disciple now Back in 1975. Yeah, that's in the 1900s guys. Okay, that's a But these guys have had an awesome weekend Your theme's been what come and see? Pretty cool come and see Come and see how awesome God is. That's what they've been talking about. And this morning, I want us to to sort of look at the same thing from a different angle. And I've got a question for you this morning. What do you see? I just want you to think about that for a minute. What do you see? I have to tell you, man, it it is so exciting when God puts things together. Because as I begin to talk to Kevin, and I'm going to tell you, where's Kevin? Is he still in here? Kevin's back there in the back. Students. You've got a student minister who loves you, parents. You need to take advantage of that. Make sure you encourage him. This guy loves the kids. That's all he talked about. That's all he talked about. And as we got to talk about this and he talked about what was going on, God began to put something on my heart. He'd already put this message there and it ties together so well. But I want to say something to the adults. As we talk about what we see this morning, don't be a spectator. These guys have had an awesome weekend. Guys, look at me. God still is not through with you. He still has something to say to you this morning. He wants you to take it and go from here. But mom, dad, grandparents, friends, family, it is not for us to be spectators. It is not just for these students this weekend. God wants all of us to see what he sees. In fact, I want to put a picture up here, and I want you just to look at it for a second. I want you to tell me what you see. I want you to look at it look at it really close. See the trees? If you see trees, raise your hand. If you can't see the trees, we need to talk, okay? (laughs) Anybody see anything else? Don't shout it out. If you see something else, don't say anything. Kevin messed me up here because he saw something that wasn't even supposed to be there, and it's not there. He was messing with me. Anybody see anything else? Raise your hand if you see anything else. How many of you see the wolf in the picture? See the far tree on the left, the tree right behind that? There's a wolf just to the right of it. How many of you see it now? Any more? You got the tree on the left, go one tree behind it, and just to the right, there's a wolf sitting down. How many of you see it now? Now that you see it, you can't not see it. Now, some of you say, I still can't see it, and that's fine. You're like, wow. Okay. Now, here's the deal. A lot of times, God has something He wants us to see, and we may be looking right at it, maybe right in front of our face, and we can't see it. Sometimes it's because we misunderstand things. Sometimes our focus isn't right. Whatever the reason, sometimes we miss what God is trying to show us. We're going to look in Luke chapter 15 in a few minutes. But I want you to understand this. God has something for every single one of us. He has a plan for every one of our lives. Get that clear, okay? But sometimes we can miss that if we don't see what God sees. God always puts something before I do a message to to remind me, to humble me, if you will. Just a few weeks ago, we came up to stay with Brother Mac and Miss Lynn. Now, where, where are my girls that are staying at the Amos house this weekend? Where are you? Raise your hand. That downstairs area, y'all nice and cool. Well, we stayed upstairs, okay? And on Saturday morning, Julie and I were coming to meet with with the ministry team, personnel committee, and so I got up early that morning. I was going to get me a nice hot shower because it was like, what, 15 degrees? You're already laughing at me. You know what I'm fixing to say. So I thought, I'll get up early, get my shower. How many of you have ever seen a mirror get fogged up where somebody has written a message and when it fogs up, you see the message? Anybody ever seen it? You, you kids know what I'm talking about. Well, the jury's still out on who actually did this, but as I got out of the shower and dried off, all of a sudden, I look in the mirror, and there's a big, bold message for me. Okay? Three words. You are fat. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. And I started laughing. My wife comes in here and said, what are you laughing? I said, look at this message. Lynn heard us laughing. She comes up there, and I told you, I said, I know what Miss Lynn's going to say. She's going to blame it on the grandkids. She asked what we were laughing at. We told her, what did she say? Oh, the grandkids must have wrote that. I don't know if Brother Mac wrote it or Miss Lynn wrote it, but I've been running every day since, okay? Just to let you know. I got the message. I saw it loud and clear. Very obvious to me. But you know, many times we miss a message that God has for us. We miss what's right in front of us. In Luke chapter 19, I believe it's in verses 41 and 42, the Bible tells us that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, that he saw the people and he began to weep because he saw that they had missed it, that they didn't understand what was going on. Jesus always seemed to be able to see what was going on. He always saw the reality of the situation. He always saw things from the right perspective. And this morning, I want us to be able to have the same vision, if you will, that Jesus does. And in order to do that, we've got to put ourselves in that situation. I want to show you a video clip real quick, and I want you to watch it. Put yourself in the situation and ask yourself, what would I do if this were me? Watch this real quickly. Excuse me, you know, I, I hate to bother you, but could you spare a few dollars for uh, those leftovers? Could could you spare those you leftovers? Know, we could pray for you, and I'm sure God will bless you. Thanks. Thanks Thanks a bunch, yeah. Hmm. That was just weird. Yeah. I'll, I'll see you later. Okay. Bye. I want you just to think about that. What would I do if I was in that situation? What would I do if God showed me something? Well, this morning I want us to look at that because, see, guys, here's the reality. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 15. Jesus tells three stories here. We call them parables, okay? A parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning, if you will. Jesus tells three distinct stories, and here's the reason. Jesus wants us to see the truth about people okay? All people, period. And I want you to look with me. I'm going to begin in verse 3, and I want you to see what Jesus says. He says, So he told them this parable, saying, What man among you, if he has a hundred sheep and has lost one, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open pasture and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, He calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. Jesus said, I tell you, in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Jesus paints a clear picture here. The first thing that we need to understand about people is that they stray. Notice what happened to this sheep here. Did you see any reason why the sheep left? The sheep left. He didn't know. We don't know why he left. We don't know where he was going. We don't know if he was in danger. We don't understand what was going on. But the Bible makes it very clear. Jesus is telling a story here for a reason. The sheep left. There were 100 sheep. He left the 99 and went after the 1. For some reason, Jesus is pointing out here to the people who are listening to him that, listen, the shepherd is willing to risk his life to go after that one because sometimes people stray. Now, let's take that story and let's relate it to us today. Listen to me. There are people who stray. Maybe there are people that you know. Maybe you're one of those. Maybe you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe you say, there's been a time where I've asked Christ to come into my heart to be my Lord and Savior. The question would be then, are you as close to God today as you were yesterday or six months ago or five years or ten years, and you can put whatever time frame you want to. But every one of us at one time in our life stray away. There are people who don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. They never have, and they have walked away. Even here, there are people who go to church every single week, and yet they don't have a relationship. They have strayed away. Jesus is pointing out here something very important. Look at what happens. It says that the shepherd went after the sheep. He was willing to risk his life. Listen to me, folks. We have to ask ourselves this question. When you encounter that person at work, your co-worker, adults, students, your friends at school, or maybe your neighbors, those people who are hard to reach, maybe they're not the most pleasant person to be around, and you know that they've sort of strayed away from reality, if you will. Are we willing to go after them? Or do we say it's too risky, or it's not worth it? Jesus says here that the shepherd went after the sheep. And what did he do? He came back and he let everybody know. He went after that one. That one was so important that Jesus went after that one. Every one of you are so important this morning. Jesus is painting a picture for us. Yep, people stray. And Jesus says, and I'm going to go after them. And we have to ask ourselves, how far will I go? Am I willing to go? after those that stray. But I want you to notice something else. There is not just one story here. There's two. A second story here in chapter 15, verse 8. I want you to look with me here. Jesus tells another story. He starts with his sheep. Then he tells a story about a lady and some money. Look in verse 8. Or what woman, if she has ten silver coins and loses one coin, does not light a lamp, And sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it. When she found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin which I had lost. Look at verse 10. And in the same way, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over the one sinner who repents. Jesus says, listen, I want you to understand the reality about people. Some people stray. And here he's pointing out something else. There are some people who are just stuck. Now you ask, what, what in the world would a lady be hunting a coin for? What's the big deal? Well, back in biblical times, when ladies got married, young ladies were married, one of the gifts they would receive would be ten silver coins. The silver coins, one coin, was worth about a day's wages. Okay, So it wasn't just change. This was serious money. Okay, This lady turned her house upside down because this was something that was significant it was a it was sentimental it was special it was part of her life savings and Jesus is pointing out here something very very important that we miss this coin had no choice coin didn't do anything did it we don't know how it got lost but it was hidden it was inaccessible it was lost it was useless wherever the coin was it was no longer serving its value. And Jesus says sometimes people get stuck. And this lady turned her house upside down in order to find this coin. And listen, we all know people who are in this situation. You may be sitting here this morning and you may say, Man, you know, that, that's me. I'm stuck. You ever been stuck in life? And here's something as I began to read this that I noticed about myself. Too many times I catch myself being judgmental of why that person's stuck. I'm judgmental of of knowing that person's in a situation without knowing how they got there. You ever been there? You ever catch yourself real quick? Listen, watch the news. When something bad happens and and it's on TV, what's the first thing they start pointing out? Whose fault is it? Jesus doesn't do that here. He didn't say, and there was a lady who had 10 coins, and she was dumb, and she lost one of them, so it was her fault, and we don't feel sorry for her. He didn't say that at all. He didn't point out anything like that. Listen, folks, sometimes life is hard, and things happen. People get caught up in it, and they get lost. They get stuck. And as I read this story, I can't help but look at it and go, wow. She turned the house upside down. Jesus is painting another picture here. He is telling us, listen, we have to go where they are. Sometimes people get stuck. They're not going to come back to us and say, hey, I'm stuck. We're going to have to go to them and say, hey, do you need help? That may mean we have to rearrange our schedule. We may have to do some special things. We may have to be intentional to find them. But Jesus made it clear that we have to be desperate, just like this lady, to go find those who are stuck. Let me ask you this question. How desperate are you to go find that one, like Jesus did, that was stuck? As I read these, Jesus makes it very, very clear. Because you see, if it were you that were lost, you would want them to do everything and anything they could. If it was someone that you loved, think about the person you love the most. How desperate would you want someone to be to help that person out, to go find them if they were stuck? I looked at this and I asked myself that same question. I go, man, I'd want them to turn the world upside down if I were stuck. Sometimes Jesus said people stray. Sometimes Jesus says people get stuck. Sometimes Jesus said and he goes on and he tells a third story. How many of you in here have ever heard a story about the prodigal son? Raise your hand. Not going to ask you to quote it or anything. Just we all know the story, right? Well, let me refresh our memory just in case. Because it's so it's so neat here that Jesus tells three distinct stories. He starts off with a sheep Okay? Now, back in biblical times, the sheep's you know, they're not highly rated. Okay? If you were a shepherd, you were not too high on the totem pole. So he tells a story about basically someone that nobody else would care about. He tells a story about a coin, something that is an inanimate object. I mean, you know, a coin, big deal. But it was important to somebody. And then he moves on to tell a story about a boy, about a son. Back in biblical times, the way it worked is if if you wanted to leave home, you go to your parents and say, Hey, Mom, Dad, give me, give me my inheritance and I'm out of here. Well, here's a story of the, the prodigal son. It starts in verse 11, and I'm not going to read all this for time's sake. But he goes to his dad and he says, Hey, Dad, I'm out of here. Man, this place is so boring. I'm ready to give out and live life. So his dad gives him his money reluctantly and he goes out. And we know the story, right? He parties and he does everything he can, has a good old time, has all his friends until what? Until he runs out of money. Now, Jesus said sometimes people stray. Jesus said sometimes people are stuck. Thirdly, Jesus said sometimes people are just stubborn. Now, I have to tell you, I have to tell you this story. I was really excited about being able to share this message this morning. Kevin knows that. I've been talking to him all week about it. But uh, I want you all to know I got a death threat this morning before I preached this message. It was from my wife, so it's okay. <laughs> she told me if I used her as a sermon illustration, then I was going to die. I'm not going to use... Yeah, you muted me. She told him, mute me if her name comes out. You're bad. But I, my wife likes to go through my message notes. See, sometimes I put fake notes in there so she won't know what I'm talking about. She thinks I'm talking about something else. So she looks through there, and she sees my third point is stubborn. She says, oh, so you're talking about your spiritual gifts this morning? You'll get it in a minute. Stubborn is not a spiritual gift. My wife says that she was not stubborn until we got married. Any of you wives relate to that? Any, of you, any wives have any stubborn husbands in here? Don't raise your hand. But you know what I did? She doesn't know this. My father-in-law, he passed away this past July. He had four girls. She's the youngest. And I sat down with him about a year ago. I said, Pop, it's just me and him. I said, Pop, i got to ask you a question. I said, I keep getting in trouble. He said, well, there's nothing. I said, no, but I keep getting in trouble for something that she blames me for. She tells me that she wasn't stubborn until we got married. He started laughing. He said... That girl was born stubborn. He said, she was stubborn all her life. He said, don't you believe from it?" For me? So I want you to know, I went straight to the source. So my spiritual gift may be being stubborn, but it's also my wife. So I'm just going to get in trouble for that one. But here's the deal, folks. The son said, I want my stuff. He went out and he lived life. And we know how the story goes. He went and he used everything that he could. He Listen, he made bad decisions. He didn't listen to anybody. He did his own thing. He went out and did his own thing and said, I'm going to do it my way. He didn't listen to his father. His father didn't want him to do this. He was out to focus on himself for personal gain. But you know what I noticed about this story? As I began to read this and look at it, I noticed something. That Jesus was actually putting up a mirror for us. Because as I look at this, I realize as I read this story, if you read from verses 11 all the way through 32, you notice some things that happen here. And I notice that this is the same way that we treat God. Do you know, and I can share this from my own personal experience, in my own life, that I chose to go my own way? Do you know that Jesus died on the cross because of my sin and your sin too? See, I went my own way. And what Jesus is doing here is he's putting up a mirror for these people so that they can understand what grace is. We hear the word grace, Brother Mac, all the time. Do we understand what grace is? I deserve to be nailed on that cross. We sang about the blood. That should have been me on the cross, not Jesus But because he loved me so much, even though I was stubborn, he gave his life for me. And as I look at this, I realize, wow, I need to be careful that I don't ever say, hey, they got what they deserve. You ever said that? Sometimes. I've even said that to my children when they were younger. You're going to get what you deserve. If we got what we deserve, none of us would even be here today. If it were not for God's grace. And listen, there are going to be those who just refuse to listen. There are going to be those who, no matter how hard we try, students, some of your friends that you try to talk to about coming to church with you and and talking to them about Jesus, adults, they're not going to listen. They may want to verbally slap you in the face. They may say some things that are really just downright ugly. But we have to ask ourselves, am I willing to to run after them, we have to be ready to run after them. I want you to look down in verse 20. This is the only verse I'm going to read in this scripture. I want you to look at what happened. Let me paint the picture for you here. The sun has gone out. He's blown all his money. He woke up one day. Folks, listen, he had blown it all. He was so far down, he was eating pig slop to survive. That's how far he had gotten away from God. He was so, he, and he woke up one morning and said, man, what am I doing? The servants at my dad's house live better than this. I'm just going to go back and say, dad, I'm sorry. Let me be one of your servants. So that was his plan. So he got up one morning and he starts heading home. Verse 20. So he got up and he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, ran inside and got the party ready. that right somebody said no that's not right let me read that again oh well he was still a long way off his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him the father ran to him listen y'all listen to me what a wonderful beautiful picture of god he said there comes gary Man, he's finally coming back. He didn't wait for me to get all the way to him. He ran to me. And God is saying to us this morning, I am waiting with open arms. I want to run to the people, even though they're stubborn, and let them know that I love them and I forgive them. If we look at this picture and we understand God's grace, you see, the bottom line is, folks, Our vision impacts our actions. I want you to notice what happened in all three of these stories. At the end of this story, the father says, Hey, we're having a party. My son who was lost is now found. He's at home. They had a big old party. What is something that all three of these stories have in common? They all celebrated at the end. You notice that? Every one of them. And Jesus is saying, Listen, we want to be able to celebrate. We need to be able to celebrate what is happening but too many times we miss it just like that picture that we had up there earlier we miss it we don't see what's right there in front of us in fact I'll tell you this much this morning most of you missed the whole point of this story because I did it on purpose I started in verse 3 I want you to look back at verses 1 and 2 And I want us to understand why Jesus even told this story. Luke 15, 1 says, Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to him to listen to him. Look at verse 2. Both the Pharisees, okay, the Pharisees were the real religious upright leaders, the educated, smart people. And the scribes began to grumble, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. Jesus told this story because these guys were missing the point to start with. Jesus was giving an illustration, three illustrations, if you will, of what life is really like and what people really look like so that these guys could understand it. He was saying, guys, you've missed it. You remember few minutes ago, I asked you to put yourself in the place of this video. I want you to watch this as we finish the video and see now that you know the whole story, if anything would have changed. Keep a close eye on this. Not today, sweetheart. Sorry. I'm hungry. I knew she wanted the food and needed the food, I would have done that, wouldn't you? If I could have seen the end of the story, well, guess what, folks? God does know the end of the story. He knows the people who strayed away. He knows the people who are stuck, and He knows the people who are stubborn. He knows how it can end. You see, the truth is, this message is not just about the lost, but it's how we lose our vision for the lost. He was telling this story to the Pharisees who thought they had everything together, let me ask you this question. Have we forgotten what it's like to be lost? Some of you may have been blessed and you, you accepted Christ at an early age. Some of you may be like me and you were in your teens. I remember what it was like to be lost and remembering one day going, wow, if I die without Jesus, I'm going to split hell wide open. I don't care how bad you dislike somebody, how bad you may hate one of your friends, so-called friends or whatever, or some of your coworkers, whatever. But folks, hell is no place to send anyone. God never created hell for people. Who are we to be choosing whether we're going to share or not? Because we do or don't like them. Jesus said, you've lost the vision. Luke nineteen ten. How many of you know the story of Zacchaeus? I'm not going to sing it for you. Luke 19.10 is the end of that story. Jesus said, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house. And then he turns to the religious leaders who were doing the very same thing, staying on Jesus' case about eating with sinners, and he said, hey, the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which is lost. My Bible tells me that the whole reason Jesus came is to go after those who stray, to go after those who were stuck, and to go after those who were stubborn. And I fit in all three of those categories. And I know sometimes we get caught up in the world and things going on, and we say, man, I just don't understand why Jesus doesn't come back. I'm going to give you the answer. 2 Peter 3, 9 is going to be up here. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you. Okay, talking about me and talking about you. Not wishing for most to perish or any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Here's the bottom line. The only reason Jesus has not come back today is there's one more that God wants, and it may be the person you're supposed to go after, and it may be you. God may be speaking to your heart this morning. I don't know. But as I look at this, I can't help but go, wow, God. And I've already had this question, and it ties into this. So Gary, now knowing that You see the truth about people, and you see Jesus' vision. How does your vision for our ministry here, how does it even line up to what we're going to do? Jesus was asked a question. What is the greatest commandment? Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And the second, to love your neighbor as yourself. Y'all's vision statement, loving God and loving you, right? Somebody asked me, well, what, what is your vision? Look, love him, love others, no exceptions. I'm sorry, but when I read my Bible, I can't find anywhere in here where God will let me off the hook. I don't have a choice. You don't have a choice. Guess what? My wife says this to me all the time. Sometimes I don't like you, but I have to love you. We don't have a choice. God did not give us a choice. We, if, listen, if we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we have to love. Period. Now I'm going to go ahead and make a really bold statement. I share that vision because of this. I know, I know that the vision that God has given me for our ministry here will never fail. Whoa. <laughs> don't believe me? Look up 1 Corinthians 13.8. It's not going to be on the screen. Three words. Love. Never fails, period. It's not based on me, and it's not going to be based on you. It's going to be based on what he's done. We're going to go after those who stray. We're going to go after those who are stuck. And we're going to go after those who are stubborn. The worst they can do is say no. Some may come to know him. Some may come back. But whatever the situation, we need to be ready for that. Let me close by saying this this morning. I want you to listen to me. I don't care if you've heard anything else, hear this. There are three types of people in this room. There are those in this room who do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You may fit in the stray, you may fit in the stuck, you may fit in the stubborn. doesn't matter. And hey, it's none of my business because I can't do anything about it anyway. But you know what God is saying to you this morning? I sent my son Jesus after you. I want you to be a part of my family. If you're sitting here this morning and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, this morning the reason you're here is because God's wanting to give you that one more chance. Students, you've heard a lot of things. And it's real easy to be in a group like this and say, yeah, I'm going to follow God. But when you get out there with your friends at school, I know it's tough. It's harder to be a teenager today than it's ever been before. Don't let anybody tell you any different. But it's also harder to be an adult than to be a parent. We're all in this together. You guys have been given God's Word probably more than you've ever faced before this weekend. And I know Kevin's heart. I know Brother Mac's heart. I know this staff's heart. They want to see you have the opportunity to have your life changed. If you're here this morning, in just a moment, we're going to have an invitation time. And and if there's a decision that you need to make, you go to Brother Kevin or you go to Brother Mac. And you say, man, I I, want to have Jesus. Doesn't mean things are going to be perfect. Doesn't mean everything's going to be great. God is saying to you this morning, I want you to come home. There's a second group of people here this morning. You do know there's a time in your life you've asked Christ to come into your heart to be your Lord and Savior. But the truth be known, you're not anywhere near where you know you're supposed to be. Well, as I read my Bible here, God's not saying, well, I'm up here in heaven with a bat. I'm waiting to pound you over here. God already knows. God already knows where I've messed up. He already knows where you've messed up. You know what he's saying this morning? You're that one person that I'm waiting for to come home, to come back. If you're here this morning and you're not where you're supposed to be, the reason that God has you hearing this message this morning, He wants you to know how much He loves you. Period. He doesn't put any stipulations on that. He's not waiting for you to get things right before you come back to Him. That's like saying, I'm going to take a bath before I take a shower. It makes no sense. God will do the cleaning up. So there are those who may be totally lost. There are those who may have gotten away from God. And thirdly, there are those who know Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. And the bottom line is, you need to go. You need to go after those who have strayed, those who were stuck, and those who were stubborn. You fit in one of those three categories this morning. Man, if you're walking with God, you're where you're supposed to be. I praise God for that, but guess what? He doesn't want you to sit here. He wants you to go out there. I don't know where you are this morning. Brother Mac doesn't know where you are, Kevin. Listen, but we couldn't do anything, even if we did. If you walked up to me this morning and said, Look, I don't know Jesus. Will you get saved for me? No, I can't do it. You've got to give your life. To Him. I'm going to ask everybody to bow their head and close their eyes as they get ready to to lead us in our, quote, invitation time. Some people say, invitation, what do you mean? It's simple. It is an invitation for you to respond to God, not to anybody else. Kevin's going to be down here. Brother Mac's going to be down here. I want to ask you to do this. I want to ask everybody to be very still. Not moving around because, listen... There is somebody in this room that needs to do business with God. As they lead us this morning, I'm going to close in prayer. And when they lead us, you respond. You follow His voice.
0: That concludes this week's message from Reverend Gary Cornelius. Additional sermons and reference materials are available from our website at parkermemorial.com slash sermon dash series Jesus said I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace in this world you will have trouble I have overcome the world we can help you know the one who can bring you peace find us on Facebook and Twitter at Parker Memorial Baptist Church, as well as our website at parkermemorial.com. May God bless you until we meet again.